Thank you, Larry. That's a wonderful song. We, uh, we have this hope as an anchor for the soul. Hebrews 6.19. And uh, we, uh, we're thankful for that anchor. Amen? And uh, there, there are times when uh, songs become something that you, you remember. And you, you can hear a song and you think back to you know, what that meant or somebody that liked that song. And this is one of those, one of those songs. And uh, uh, to segue into our, our message this morning, there, there are also uh, pictures that we see. And some pictures that we, that we see or take part of are, uh, they're compelling. They draw a story. And uh, we, it kind of sucks us into the story of that picture. And some pictures compel you to, to feel emotions. And, uh, and a, a compelling picture tells the whole story without even use of words, if you uh, know some of, the, some of the background behind those pictures. And, uh, but most of all, there's emotions involved in pictures. And uh, as, we, uh, as we think about uh, being a follower of Christ and we come to him to be Christ-like, we need to know what he is about, what, what was his life like that he lived in order for us to become Christ-like. And so I want to, to draw us to, to pictures over the next few weeks as we get closer to Easter, uh, sort of a Lenten series, and uh, we go from childhood to, to the cross and then to the open, empty tomb. But uh, we need a, a compelling story. This morning, I want to talk to you about uh, humble submission and look in Luke chapter 2 uh, as, we, as we dive into this only recorded account of the childhood of Jesus Christ. Now I'll have the verses of scripture up on the screen and uh, Luke gives us that picture and I want us to, to think about some lessons that we can take away uh, from this story in Luke and uh, lessons that we can use in essentially our becoming more like him and what was going on uh, during that time. So. As we, as we open up uh, these verses, uh, Luke chapter 2, beginning with verse 41, uh, reads this way. Every year, Jesus' parents went to Jerusalem for the festival of the Passover. When he was 12 years old, they went up to the festival according to the custom. After the festival was over, while his parents were returning home, the boy Jesus stayed behind in Jerusalem but they were unaware of it. Thinking he was in their company, they traveled on for a day. Then they began looking for him among their relatives and friends. When they did not find him, they went back to Jerusalem to look for him. After three days, they found him in the temple courts, sitting among the teachers, listening to them, and asking them questions. Everyone who heard him was amazed at his understanding and his answers. When his parents saw him, they were astonished. His mother said to him, Son, why have you treated us like this? Your father and I have been anxiously searching for you. Why were you searching for me? He asked. Did, didn't you know I had to be in my father's house? But they did not understand what he was saying to them. Then he went down to, Jer to Nazareth, I'm sorry, to Nazareth with them and was obedient to them. But his mother treasured all these things in her heart. And Jesus grew in wisdom and stature and in favor with God and man. Let's pray. Father, we thank you. We thank you, Lord, that you are this anchor for our soul. And as your word describes you, that you are firm and secure. And we, we, just, uh, we just 
hold on to you as the anchor for our hearts and our lives. And as we look ahead to, to Resurrection Sunday, we, we thank you, Father. But, but on this journey through this Lenten season, help us to, to learn more about you as we see uh, things that took place uh, in your life so that we can become more like you. We thank you, Lord. We, we give you praise and we give you thanks in Jesus' name. Amen. According to Jewish law at the time, uh, every adult male that lived within 15 miles of Jerusalem was required to journey to Jerusalem and sacrifice at the temple during Passover. Well, three times during the year. This was one of the three festivals, Passover. And due to distance, many uh, Jews could not make the pilgrimage each year, but were encouraged to make it at least once in their lifetime. And Nazareth, where Jesus lived and where he was raised, uh, with his parents was about 70 miles uh, north of uh, Jerusalem, so it certainly fell outside that 15-mile limit. And we know that Mary and Joseph were, were righteous people, and that's why they were chosen to be, to be the parents of the Messiah. But their righteousness is further illustrated here in the fact that Luke tells us in the first verse that we read Every year, his parents went to Jerusalem for the feast of the Passover. So, in looking at this little, we, we pass over that real fast. We just don't even pay attention to that fact. That uh, though they were not required by law uh, to make this journey uh, due to the distance, they still made the journey every year. And I believe... Jesus was a, a, a huge factor in that, but uh, because of the, his birth and the, uh, uh, the circumstances surrounding uh, Mary and Joseph, but, but along with them came a group of people, and they would travel together from, from that area, from the surrounding villages and, and towns, and they would walk together for safety. Uh, uh, when I think about this, I always remember the, uh, the parable of the Good Samaritan and how this one man was on his, by himself walking along the road and he was attacked by robbers. Well, for safety, there's safety in numbers, a whole village or a great number of people might travel together and they would walk uh, to where they wanted to go. And this, during the festivals, during the feast times, this was one of those special occasions. So only the most devout Jews would do this, travel the 70 miles and walk the 70 miles. How would you like to go on a 140-mile round-trip walk? I think only Joe is going to raise his hand. He, uh, <laughs> Joe goes on these, uh, uh, what do you call them, folks march uh, that we, with, with people, and he's, he's uh, done a lot of walking. But that's, you put your fit, yeah. You, 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 you put your Fitbit on and you go, you know, and, uh, and get it charged along the way. But uh, Joseph was in, in uh, Joseph and Mary and, and Jesus, and they are in this group. And there, as was the custom, they would go. And they took a 12-year-old this year, this particular year, 12-year-old Jesus with them. And uh, at 12, this was a, an important age uh, for Jesus because this was when a Jewish a boy... Uh, became, according to their tradition, uh, he accepted the responsibilities of a man. And here he's walking along, and Jesus was coming into his spiritual manhood, so to speak, and, and they're making this journey, and the festivities would have lasted uh, a whole week. You know, you've got the Passover and a Feast of Unleavened Bread involved in that, and, and then the group would begin their travel back home. And Luke tells us that they traveled for a day before Joseph and Mary realized that Jesus wasn't with them. And I, at first, when I was a, a, a new Christian, I thought, well, what's wrong with Joseph and Mary? They only got one kid, and they can't keep him with them here, you know. 
Now, they probably had other kids. I'm sorry, but uh, uh, children. But, you know, Jesus, you would have thought they would have, you know, but I'm going to stick up for Joseph and Mary uh, this morning and say that they were not irresponsible parents. And several things were taking place here as we think about the whole issue that can account for them for being a day down the road you know, before they, they figured out what was going on. And for starters, they were traveling in a large group of friends, family, and neighbors. And uh, it's not all that uncommon for kids to want to walk with or travel with other kids or with other cousins or, or family members. Okay, so oh, we know that. You know, the, the kids don't even want to ride in a car with you at a certain age, right? You know, they, they can I go with them? Can I walk with them? I'm going to... You know, and then this is a great, a, a bigger group. Um, and so here they are traveling and uh, with everyone else. And it would make sense for them to assume that Jesus was with a friend or a family member or a cousin or, or somebody else. And also, it was normal for the women to uh, begin the journey home with the children several hours before the men would start out. And then the men later would walk together and join them in the encampment. I mean, 70 miles, you're not going to make it in one day. You know, so there's a couple of different stops, a couple of different nights that they would make an encampment. So they would make it to their usual rest area along I-71, whatever that is, uh, on their way to uh, Nazareth. And uh, so they would say, well, we'll meet up with you. And the men walked together. The women and children went first. So uh, uh, it's very probable that Joseph believed that Jesus left with his mother and the children, while Mary believed Jesus stayed behind with Joseph and walked with him. And I don't, do I use the story? <laughs> no, okay. So we, uh, and not only... They met up in the evening, but then that's, that's when they realized that Jesus, well, I thought Jesus was with you. No, I thought he was with you. And this, you can imagine the discussion going back and forth. And, and I, you can only imagine how the parents felt, discovered that their 12-year-old son was not in the group. So they traveled the day back to Jerusalem to find him. And after searching for him, they find him in the temple where he'd been there the past three days in the temple, sitting among the teachers, listening to them and asking them questions. So when we think about Jesus here and who he was, can you imagine finding your 12-year-old son sitting at the feet of the great religious teachers of the day, listening to their wisdom and asking them pointed engaging questions you know this this was a amazing you know they're you know and especially with the you know the verse of scripture that tells us that they were astonished at uh, at what this that this young man knew and and what he was asking and the concept here is not really that far away because this is how teaching uh, took place in the local synagogue you would see wherever a rabbi was teaching, and this was Jesus later, right? He had the, the 12 disciples, and they followed him, and then there was the uh, other people that were with that crowd, and then every once in a while, Jesus would sit down, and they would sit in front of him, and he would teach, right? The parables and the Sermon on the Mount and all these different things. This is the way that the rabbis taught the, the, the new students, and the, the disciples sitting around. They're learning. They're picking up wisdom. And this is Jesus sitting around the, 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 the known religious you know, minds in Jerusalem at that time. And Passover, that, that's the height of the, of the sacrificial season. So everybody that, that was, a, was, was a theologian was there. And so Jesus was right in the middle of the whole thing. But these rabbis today kind of picture the same things taking place. And they would all get together with their students. And they'd all sit around 
and the rabbi would expound what God has put on his heart, and then they would take a selfie, and then they would all leave. <clears throat> so it was very, it was very interactive as we, we think about the whole thing. Here was Jesus. Joseph and Mary come upon Jesus in the temple area with these learned men around him, and uh, they're speaking and talking back and forth and conversing, and apparently Jesus was very good at it. And as he sat in the, in the, around their feet, Luke tells us that everyone who heard him, Jesus, was amazed with his understanding and his answers. Everybody was impressed except mom, right? And Mary would respond as you would expect any mother to respond. And uh, he's been missing for three days, and she sees her son, and she, uh, son, why have you treated us like this? Uh, your father and I have been anxiously searching for you. And she, she scolds him in this situation, as any mom would do, and that's okay. Right? That's okay. Now we get to the heart of the portrait of Jesus here because we see his humility and we see his obedience and we see his submission. Now because Jesus' answer, uh, he was just basically what, what came to his heart because even at that tender age of 12, he knew who he was and what he was about. He knew his purpose. And after being scolded, he answers her, I, I believe not in a, in, a, in a very harsh way, but I, didn't you know? Can you almost, I can almost see Larnell Harris. Didn't you know? You know, Larry sang that song for us before. But didn't you know that I had to be in my father's house doing my father's business? He knew that his purpose was to bring redemption to Israel. Twelve years old. And he knew his life was about more than merely being a carpenter and growing up in the carpenter shop in Nazareth. He knew, yet in his knowledge, there was no conceit, and there was no vanity, and there was no pride. He humbled himself, and he submitted to the authority that was placed over him, in this case, the authority was his parents. And Luke tells us that then he went down to Nazareth with them and was obedient to them, but his mother treasured all these things in her heart, and Jesus grew in wisdom and in stature and in favor with God and men. I want to make a statement here. Humble submission is something that we don't do well. Right? We know all about humble bragging. Right? We just kind of throw something out, you know, in a, in a conversation that oh, by the way, you know. And, uh, but humble submission is something that we don't do well. You know, if, we, if we've got we're in a, a position where, where we uh, we know more than the next person. It's hard to keep that in. Or it's hard to keep this, this in and live this way and grow this way with that inside. But, but we see this in Christ. We see this in Jesus here. We learn from Jesus how to be more or how to be humble as he was humble. Or we ask in prayer to be that way. Or to submit to the authority God has placed in our lives. And we, we have to acknowledge the fact that there are times when there is authority placed in your life. And that we have to submit to that authority. Now, Jesus submitted to the authority of his parents. He went down to Nazareth with them and was obedient to them. Jesus submitted to the, to the religious and civil authority they found him in the temple courts, sitting among the teachers, listening to them, and asking them questions. I can't believe that Jesus was, 
you big dummy, where'd you get that idea? Or why are you, why are you obeying? Where did you get all these laws? And you guys just don't have anything right. And, you know, it would be easy to go, go off on that, right? But if you look at Jesus all the way through his life, those became teaching moments, not scolding or, or bragging moments. And how God handled those moments. Because that's exactly what we're talking about here. That God in the flesh, as a, as a young man at 12, he's submitting to the authority around him. He was respectful. He listened to what they had to say. He asked questions. He received answers. He, 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 this, was, this was a great moment to be a religious teacher and standing around 12-year-old Jesus in the temple. You know, this is, they didn't know what was going on here. But this is great. This was, this was fantastic. He submitted to the authority of his heavenly father. Didn't you know I had to be in my father's house? That's what the temple was. That's what this, this building is about, right? His father's house. That's what we are. We're a temple of the Holy Spirit. In every way, though he already knew who he was and what his purpose was, he was submissive to the authority of God or the authority that God placed in his life. And I find it very fascinating to think that, that, uh, that Christ, the very son of God, was willing, willing to submit himself to all of the authorities that was placed in his life. That would be, you're holding it in. This is the reason that you came wasn't to... This was not, remember Mary in the first, the first miracle at the wedding at Cana. The, my, this is not my time. My time has not yet come. This is not my hour. You know, hey, shh, let's keep it quiet. You know, don't, let's not. But Mary, she just said, whatever he says, do it. You know, uh, to changing the water into wine in John chapter 2. But to Jesus, this was to keep this, let's keep this, the wraps still on top of this. You know, we don't want the lid to come off. And, and here he was at 12 and knew he had to still go back to Nazareth. He couldn't make too big of a show. But this was God. This was God in the flesh. He, he was submitting. And uh, uh, he submitted in humility. And that's something that I, I struggle with. You know, not to say something. Or... To keep it under, you know, keep it in, and don't, you know, or say something. Remember, uh, last week, uh, 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 Stephen Manley was here, and he talked a lot about the fact, well, you don't call people dummy, uh, you know, or a fool. And uh, that, that probably was something very tempted, you know, yeah, as far as Jesus being here. But this week, studying for the quiz questions, there were verses that, uh, that stood out in Hebrews uh, Hebrews, the first three chapters of Hebrews, especially Hebrews 1, 2 his son Jesus, whom he ap appointed heir of all things and through whom he made the universe, this is this 12 year old young man and the son is the radiance of God's glory and the exact representation of his being this 12 year old young man Sustaining all things by his powerful word. After he had provided purification for sins, he sat down at the right hand of the majesty in heaven. Praise the Lord. Right? The radiance of God's glory is asking questions and getting answers and bouncing things off of these guys. We as Christians... We as believers, we're called to submit to one another, right? In, in Ephesians, submit to one another out of reverence for Christ. And this is tough to do because it means we need to stop thinking about ourselves and focus our thinking on one another. I've got to, I need to say something about this person or I need to ask them about that or I need to 
encourage them to keep uh, keep praying. I need to to be uh, be one of those that holds Moses's arms up here. But we do it for each other. We do it for each other. We need to focus on the needs of someone else. That's not easy to do. Especially in today, the world that we live in today. It's, it's really easy for us to focus on ourselves because we can take pictures of ourselves and blast that thing all over all kinds of social media. Yeah, I'm going through this. And pray for me and look at me. and I'm, I, You know, that's all about me, me, me. When we need to throw that away, it's got to be for somebody else. That's why we're here, is to lift each other up and to encourage each other. And, and it may be someone that we may not like or someone who opposes us in one area or another. That's hard. That's not easy to do. But that's what we are called to do. Amen? And that's what Jesus was doing. He knew the hearts of these men. Not only was he asking questions, it's like the disciple, he, with the disciples, he knew what their thoughts were. He knew what their... Do you think that was any different with a boy Jesus at 12? No. But there he was. There he was. He knew their minds. He knew their hearts. He knew what was inside. He knew what they needed the most. And what they needed the most wasn't, ah, I think you're wrong there, you know, or you're not doing this right, or why can't you get this straight? Because if we are going to model our lives after the life of Christ, then our lives must also be marked by humble submission to God, to the government. Read Romans 13. To the spiritual authority God has placed in our lives. To each other. To each other. We need to submit to each other. And to 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 everybody else's, others' needs. To do that, if you're familiar with Scripture, the best verse or section of Scripture is Philippians chapter 2. And I want to look at that very quickly. It says, uh, In your relationships with one another, have the same mindset as Christ Jesus, who being in very nature God, did not consider equality with God something to be used to his own advantage. Rather, he made himself nothing by taking the very nature of a servant being made in human likeness. And being found in appearance as a man, he humbled himself by becoming obedient to death, even death on a cross. So as Paul writes these verses in Philippians from a jail cell, writing this letter to the believers in Philippi this is the whole thing is wrapped up in this 12 year old boy in the temple and courts in Jerusalem talking and answering questions and asking questions back and forth and, and Mary and Joseph are mad well this is with the beginning of the whole thing this is the start of it all in their lives and as Jesus I can just imagine you ever, have you ever been in one of those circumstances where uh, you finally get your son or your daughter in the back seat of the car and you're driving and you don't know what to say? They're walking back to, to Nazareth, a 70-mile journey. And they're, okay, well, Joseph, we knew this day was coming. When it was going to start, well, it started at 12. But he went back submissive. He went back humble he was he was under their authority and he lived his life that way until 30 years old another 18 years working in that carpenter shop until the ministry started and God called him to do what he he needed him to do what that took what that took in his heart and in his mind and in becoming like Christ becoming Christ like this is where we are. That we need to put aside. Oh, I don't know about talking to that. You know what? They make me mad. You remember that time they talked about me that way? We got we to gotta, we gotta throw that aside. 
we got to go to that person. I, I would suggest praying about it first, but well, we, we go there. We do that because we need to serve. We're here to serve. And Jesus submitted his will to his Father's will all the way to the cross. All the way to the cross. So that you and I could experience a love relationship with God. He paid the price. Amen? Let's all stand. Father, we thank you. We love you, Lord, for, for all that you do for us. We ask, Lord, as we're on this journey now toward the resurrection day, and as we look at these snapshots and po photographs and pictures that we can, can bring up in our hearts and minds about you, help us to understand a little more along those lines and help us to, to, to see what we may need to fine-tune or, or talk to you about in our prayer time. And Lord, this morning we talked to you about, about being submissive about being humble and, uh, and Lord to the authority that is over us for each of us whether we want it or not uh, uh, there is that authority and you tell us to be sub to submit to the to the authorities uh, Lord so that those who are doing wrong will will feel your know the wrath and those who are not doing wrong can live at peace and out of Romans 13 and, and, and submission to each other, Lord, we, we, we lift each other up. But help us to know that you are indeed a very, very part of our lives that we give ourselves entirely to. And Lord, we, we love you and thank you. Be with each of us uh, throughout this day. Bring us back again tonight as we continue our look into, uh, into the book of Ezra. And we love you and praise you in Jesus' precious name. And everybody said, Amen. You're dismissed. Thank you, Larry. That's a wonderful song. We, uh, we have this hope as an anchor for the soul, Hebrews 6.19. And uh, we, uh, we're thankful for that anchor. Amen? And uh, there, there are times when uh, songs become something that you, you remember and you, you can hear a song and you think back to you know what that meant or somebody that liked that song and this is one of those one of those songs and uh, uh, to segue into our, our message this morning there there are also uh, pictures that we see and some pictures that we that we see or take part of are uh, they're compelling they draw a story and that uh, kind of sucks us into the story of that picture. And some pictures compel you to, to feel emotions. And, uh, and a, a compelling picture tells the whole story without even use of words, if you uh, know some of, the, some of the background behind those pictures. And, uh, but most of all, there's emotions involved in pictures. And uh, as, we, uh, as we think about uh, being a follower of Christ and we come to him to be Christ-like, we need to know what he is about, what, what was his life like that he lived in order for us to become Christ-like. And so I want to, to draw us to, to pictures over the next few weeks as we get closer to Easter, uh, sort of a Lenten series, and uh, we go from childhood to 
to the cross and then to the open empty tomb. But uh, we need a, a compelling story. This morning I want to talk to you about uh, humble submission and look in Luke chapter 2 uh, as, we, as we dive into this only recorded account of the childhood of Jesus Christ. Now I'll have the verses of scripture up on the screen and uh, Luke gives us that picture and I want us to, to think about some lessons that we can take away uh, from this story in Luke and uh, lessons that we can use in essentially our becoming more like him and what was going on uh, during that time. So as we, as we open up uh, these verses, uh, Luke chapter 2, beginning with verse 41, uh, reads this way. Every year, Jesus' parents went to Jerusalem for the festival of the Passover. When he was 12 years old, they went up to the festival according to the custom. After the festival was over, while his parents were returning home, the boy Jesus stayed behind in Jerusalem, but they were unaware of it. Thinking he was in their company, they traveled on for a day. Then they began looking for him among their relatives and friends. When they did not find him, they went back to Jerusalem to look for him. After three days, they found him in the temple courts, sitting among the teachers, listening to them and asking them questions. Everyone who heard him was amazed at his understanding and his answers. When his parents saw him, they were astonished. His mother said to him, Son, why have you treated us like this? Your father and I have been anxiously searching for you. Why were you searching for me? He asked. Did, didn't you know I had to be in my father's house? But they did not understand what he was saying to them. Then he went down to, Jer to Nazareth, I'm sorry, to Nazareth with them and was obedient to them. But his mother treasured all these things in her heart. And Jesus grew in wisdom and stature and in favor with God and man. Let's pray. Father, we thank you. We thank you, Lord, that you are this anchor for our soul. And as your word describes you, that you are firm and secure. And we, we, just, uh, we just hold on to you as the anchor for our hearts and our lives. And as we look ahead to, to Resurrection Sunday, we, we thank you, Father. But, but on this journey through this Lenten season, Help us to, to learn more about you as we see uh, things that took place uh, in your life so that we can become more like you. We thank you, Lord. We, we give you praise and we give you thanks in Jesus' name. Amen. According to Jewish law at the time, uh, every adult male that lived within 15 miles of Jerusalem was required to journey to Jerusalem and sacrifice at the temple during Passover, well, three times during the year. This was one of the three festivals, Passover. And due to distance, many uh, Jews could not make the pilgrimage each year, but were encouraged to make it at least once in their lifetime. And Nazareth, where Jesus lived and where he was raised uh, with his parents, was about 70 miles uh, north of uh, Jerusalem. So it certainly fell outside that 15-mile limit. And we know that Mary and Joseph were, were righteous people, and that's why they were chosen to be, to be the parents of the Messiah. But their righteousness is further illustrated here in the fact that Luke tells us in the first verse that we read, every year his parents went to Jerusalem for the feast of the Passover. So in looking at this little, we, we pass over that real fast. We just don't even pay attention to that fact. That uh, though they were not required 
by law uh, to make this journey uh, do the distance, they still made the journey every year. And I believe Jesus was a, a, a huge factor in that, but uh, because of the, his birth and the, uh, uh, the circumstances surrounding uh, Mary and Joseph, but, but along with them came a group of people. And they would travel together from, from that area, from the surrounding villages and, and towns, and they would walk together for safety. Uh, uh, when I think about this, I always remember the, uh, the parable of the Good Samaritan and how this one man was on his, by himself walking along the road and he was attacked by robbers. Well, for safety, their safety in numbers, a whole village or a great number of people might travel together and they would walk uh, to where they wanted to go. And this, during the festivals, during the feast times, this was one of those special occasions. So only the most devout Jews would do this, travel the 70 miles and walk the 70 miles. How would you like to go on a 140-mile round-trip walk? I think only Joe is going to raise his hand. He, uh, <laughs> Joe goes on these, uh, uh, what do call them, folks march uh, that we, with, with people, and he's, he's uh, done a lot of walking. But that's, you, you put your fit, you, you you, you put your Fitbit on and you go, you know, and, uh, and get it charged along the way. But uh, Joseph was in, in uh, Joseph and Mary and, and Jesus, and they were in this group, and there, as was the custom, they would go, and they took a 12-year-old this year, this particular year, 12-year-old Jesus with them. And uh, at 12, this was a, an important age uh, for Jesus because this was when a Jewish a boy uh, became, according to their tradition, uh, he accepted the responsibilities of a man. And here he's walking along, and Jesus was coming into his spiritual manhood, so to speak, and, and they making this journey, and the festivities would have lasted uh, a whole week. You know, you've got the Passover and a Feast of Unleavened Bread involved in that, and, and then the group would begin their travel back home. And Luke tells us that they traveled for a day before Joseph and Mary realized that Jesus wasn't with them. And I, at first, when I was a, a, a new Christian, I thought, well, what's wrong with Joseph and Mary? They only got one kid, and they can't keep him with them here, you know. Now, they probably had other kids. I'm sorry, but uh, uh, children. But, you know, Jesus, you would have thought they would have, you know, but I'm going to stick up for Joseph and Mary uh, this morning and say that they were not irresponsible parents and several things were taking place here as we think about the whole issue that can account for them for being a day down the road you know, before they they figured out what was going on and for starters they were traveling in a large group of friends family and neighbors and uh, it's not all that uncommon for kids to want to walk with or travel with other kids or with other cousins or, or family members okay so oh, we know that you know the the kids don't even want to ride in a car with you at a certain age right you know they can I go with them can I walk with them yeah I'm gonna you know and then this is a great a, a bigger group um, and so here they are traveling and uh, with everyone else and it would make sense for them to assume that Jesus was with a friend or a family member, or a cousin, or, or somebody else. And also, it was normal for the women to uh, begin the journey home with the children several hours before the men would start out. And then the men later would walk together and join them in the encampment. I mean, 70 miles, you're not going to make it in one day. You know, so there's a couple of different stops, a couple of different nights that they would make an encampment. So they would make it to their usual rest area along I-71, whatever that is, uh, on their way to uh, Nazareth. And uh, so they would say, well, we'll meet up with you. And the men walked together. The women and children went first. So uh, uh, 
it's very probable that Joseph believed that Jesus left with his mother and the children, while Mary believed Jesus stayed behind with Joseph and walked with him. And I don't, do I use the story? <laughs> no, okay. So we, uh, and not only they met up in the evening, but then that's, that's when they realized that Jesus, well, I thought Jesus was with you. No, I thought he was with you. And this, you can imagine the discussion going back and forth. And, and I, you can only imagine how the parents felt, discovered that their 12-year-old son was not in the group. So they traveled the day back to Jerusalem to find him. And after searching for him, they find him in the temple where he'd been there the past three days in the temple, sitting among the teachers, listening to them and asking them questions. So when we think about Jesus here and who he was, can you imagine finding your 12-year-old son sitting at the feet of the great religious teachers of the day, listening to their wisdom and asking them pointed engaging questions you know this this was a amazing you know they're you know and especially with the you know the verse of scripture that tells us that they were astonished at uh, at what this that this young man knew and and what he was asking and the concept here is not really that far away because this is how teaching uh, took place in the local synagogue you would see wherever a rabbi was teaching, and this was Jesus later, right? He had the, the 12 disciples, and they followed him, and then there was the uh, other people that were with that crowd, and then every once in a while, Jesus would sit down, and they would sit in front of him, and he would teach, right? The parables and the Sermon on the Mount and all these different things. This is the way that the rabbis taught the, the, the new students, and the, the disciples sitting around. They're learning. They're picking up wisdom. And this is Jesus sitting around the, 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 the known religious you know, minds in Jerusalem at that time. And Passover, that, that's the height of the, of the sacrificial season. So everybody that, that was, a, was, was a theologian was there. And so Jesus was right in the middle of the whole thing. But these rabbis today kind of picture the same things taking place. And they would all get together with their students, and they'd all sit around, and the rabbi would expound what God has put on his heart, and then they would take a selfie, and then they would all leave. <clears throat> so it was very, it was very interactive as we, we think about the whole thing. Here was Jesus. Joseph and Mary come upon Jesus in the temple area with these learned men around him, and uh, they're speaking and talking back and forth and conversing, and apparently Jesus was very good at it. And as he sat in a, in a, around their feet, Luke tells us that everyone who heard him Jesus was amazed with his understanding and his answers. Everybody was impressed except mom. Right? And Mary would respond as you would expect any mother to respond. And uh, he's been missing for three days and she sees her son and she, son, why have you treated us like this? Uh, your father and I have been anxiously searching for you. And she, she scolds him in this situation, as any mom would do. And that's okay, right? That's okay. Now we get to the heart of the portrait of Jesus here because we see his humility and we see his obedience and we see his submission. Now because Jesus' answer uh, he was just basically what, what came to his heart. Because even at that tender age of 12, he knew who he was and what he was about. He knew his purpose. And after being scolded, he answers her, I, I believe, not in a 
in a in a very harsh way, but I didn't you know? Can you almost I can almost see Larnell Harris. Didn't you know? You know, Larry sang that song for us before. But didn't you know that I had to be in my father's house doing my father's business? He knew that his purpose was to bring redemption to Israel. Twelve years old. And he knew his life was about more than merely being a carpenter and growing up in the carpenter shop in Nazareth. He knew, yet in his knowledge there was no conceit and there was no vanity and there was no pride. He humbled himself and he submitted to the authority that was placed over him. In this case, the authority was his parents. And Luke tells us that then he went down to Nazareth with them and was obedient to them. But his mother treasured all these things in her heart, and Jesus grew in wisdom and stature and in favor with God and men. I want to make a statement here. Humble submission is something that we don't do well. Right? We know all about humble bragging. Right? We just kind of throw something out, you know, in a, in a conversation that, oh, by the way, you know. And, uh, but humble submission is something that we don't do well. You know, if, we, if we've got, we're in a, a position where, where we, uh, we know more than the next person, it's hard to keep that in. Or it's hard to keep this, this in and live this way and grow this way with that inside. But, but we see this in Christ. We see this in Jesus here. We learn from Jesus how to be more or how to be humble as he was humble. Or we ask in prayer to be that way. Or to submit to the authority God has placed in our lives. And we, we have to acknowledge the fact that there are times when there is authority placed in your life. And that we have to submit to that authority. Now, Jesus submitted to the authority of his parents. He went down to Nazareth with them and was obedient to them. Jesus submitted to the, to the religious and civil authority. They found him in the temple courts, sitting among the teachers, listening to them and asking them questions. I can't believe that Jesus was, you big dummy, where would you get that idea? Or why are you why are you obeying? Where did you get all these laws? And you guys just don't have anything right. And, you know, it would be easy to go go off on that, right? But if you look at Jesus all the way through his life, those became teaching moments, not scolding or or bragging moments. And how God handled those moments, because that's exactly what we're talking about here. That God in the flesh, as a, as a young man at 12, he's submitting to the authority around him. He was respectful. He listened to what they had to say. He asked questions. He received answers. He, 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 this, was, this was a great moment to be a religious teacher and standing around 12-year-old Jesus in the temple. You know, this is, they didn't know what was going on here. But this is great. This was, this was fantastic. He submitted to the authority of his heavenly father. Didn't you know I had to be in my father's house? That's what the temple was. That's what this, this building is about, right? His father's house. That's what we are. We're a temple of the Holy Spirit. In every way, though he already knew who he was, and what his purpose was, he was submissive to the authority of God or the authority that God placed in his life. And I find it very fascinating to think that, that, uh, that Christ, the very Son of God, was willing, willing to submit himself to all of the authorities that was placed in his life. That would be, you're holding it in. This is... The reason that you came wasn't to, this was not, remember Mary in the first, the first miracle at the wedding at Cana, 
my, this is not my time. My time has not yet come. This is not my hour. You know, hey, shh, let's keep it quiet. You know, don't, let's not. But Mary, she just said, whatever he says, do it. You know, uh, to changing the water into wine in John chapter 2. But to Jesus, this was to keep this, let's keep this, the wraps still on top of this. You know, we don't want the lid to come off. And, and here he was at 12 and knew he had to still go back to Nazareth. He couldn't make too big of a show. But this was God. This was God in the flesh. He, he was submitting. And uh, uh, he submitted in humility. And that's something that I, I struggle with. You know, not to say something or to keep it under and keep it in and don't, you know, or say something. Remember uh, last week, uh, 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 Stephen Manley was here and he talked a lot about the fact, well, you don't call people dummy, uh, you know, or a fool. And uh, that, that probably was something very tempted, you know, as far as Jesus being here. But this week, studying for the quiz questions, there were verses that uh, that stood out in Hebrews, uh, Hebrews, the first three chapters of Hebrews, especially Hebrews one two, his son, Jesus, whom he ap appointed heir of all things, and through whom he made the universe. This is this twelve year old young man, and the son is the radiance of God's glory and the exact representation of his being. This 12-year-old young man sustaining all things by his powerful word. After he had provided purification for sins, he sat down at the right hand of the majesty in heaven. Praise the Lord. Right? The radiance of God's glory is asking questions and getting answers and bouncing things off of these guys. We as Christians, we as believers, we're called to submit to one another, right? In, in Ephesians, submit to one another out of reverence for Christ. And this is tough to do because it means we need to stop thinking about ourselves and focus our thinking on one another. I've got to, I need to say something about this person, or I need to ask them about that, or I need to encourage them to keep, uh, keep praying. I need to, to be, uh, be one of those that holds Moses' arms up here. But we do it for each other. We do it for each other. We need to focus on the needs of someone else. That's not easy to do. Especially in today, the world that we live in today. It's, it's really easy for us to focus on ourselves because we can take pictures of ourselves and blast that thing all over all kinds of social media. Yeah, I'm going through this. And pray for me and look at me. and I'm, I, You know, that's all about me, me, me. When we need to throw that away, it's got to be for somebody else. That's why we're here is to lift each other up and to encourage each other. It, and it may be someone that we may not like or someone who opposes us in one area or another. That's hard. That's not easy to do. But that's what we are called to do. Amen? And that's what Jesus was doing. He knew the hearts of these men. Not only was he asking questions, it's like the disciple, he, with the disciples, he knew what their thoughts were. He knew what their you think that was any different with a boy Jesus at 12? No. But there he was. There he was. He knew their minds. He knew their hearts. He knew what was inside. He knew what they needed the most. And what they needed the most wasn't, ah, I think you're wrong there, you know, or you're not doing this right, or why can't you get this straight? Because if we are going to model our lives after the life of Christ, then our lives must also be marked by humble submission to God, to the government. Read Romans 13. 
to the spiritual authority God has placed in our lives to each other. To each other. We need to submit to each other and to, to, to everybody else's, others' needs. To do that, if you're familiar with Scripture, the best verse or section of Scripture is Philippians chapter 2. And I want to look at that very quickly. It says, uh, in your relationships with one another, have the same mindset as Christ Jesus, who being in very nature God, did not consider equality with God something to be used to his own advantage. Rather, he made himself nothing by taking the very nature of a servant, being made in human likeness. And being found in appearance as a man, he humbled himself by becoming obedient to death, even death on a cross. So as Paul writes these verses in Philippians from a jail cell, writing this letter to the believers in Philippi, this is the whole thing is wrapped up in this 12-year-old boy in the temple and courts in Jerusalem talking and answering questions and asking questions back and forth and, and Mary and Joseph are mad. Well, this is what the beginning of the whole thing. This is the start of it all in their lives. And as Jesus, I can just imagine, you ever, have you ever been in one of those circumstances where uh, you finally get your son or your daughter in the back seat of the car and you're driving and you don't know what to say. The, they're walking back to, to Nazareth, a 70-mile journey. And they're, okay, well, Joseph, we knew this day was coming. When it was going to start, well, it started at 12. But he went back submissive. He went back humble. He was, he was under their authority and he lived his life that way until 30 years old, another 18 years, working in that carpenter shop until the ministry started. And God called him to do what he, he needed him to do. What that took, what that took in his heart and in his mind. And in becoming like Christ, becoming Christ-like, this is where we are. That we need to put aside. Oh, I don't know about talking to that. You know what? <sighs> they make me mad. You remember that time they talked about me that way? We gotta, we gotta, we gotta throw that aside. We gotta go to that person. I, I would suggest praying about it first, but well, we we go there. We do that because we need to serve. We're here to serve, and Jesus submitted his will to his Father's will all the way to the cross. All the way to the cross. So that you and I could experience a love relationship with God. He paid the price. Amen? Let's all stand. Father, we thank you. We love you, Lord, for, for all that you do for us. We ask, Lord, as we're on this journey now toward the resurrection day, and as we look at these snapshots and photographs and pictures that we can, can bring up in our hearts and minds about you, help us to understand a little more along those lines and help us to, to, to see what we may need to fine-tune or or talk to you about in our prayer time. And Lord, this morning we talked to you about, about being submissive, about being humble, and, uh, and Lord, to the authority that is over us. For each of us, whether we want it or not, uh, uh, there is that authority. And you tell us to, be sub to submit to the, to the authorities, uh, Lord, so that those who are doing wrong will, will feel your, know the wrath, and those who are not doing wrong will, can live at peace and out of Romans 13 and, and, and submission to each other, Lord. We, we, we lift each other up. 
but help us to know that you are indeed a very, very part of our lives that we give ourselves entirely to. And Lord, we, we love you and thank you. Be with each of us uh, throughout this day. Bring us back again tonight as we continue our look into, uh, into the book of Ezra. And we love you and praise you in Jesus' precious name. And everybody said, amen. amen. You're dismissed.